Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Ramble On, where today's topic you've probably seen in uh, the title of the video if you're on YouTube or even... It's uh, podcasts are only now on because I, I love the video idea I did. Uh, that takes way too goddamn long because <laughs> trying to add in that everything. So whenever I get around to it, I might, but... I mean, if anything, you could just upload it and people just like you listen when they're doing stuff. Or they could download it off of Stitcher. This is true. Or download it off Google Play, yeah. which is where we are right now. Look cool. for the red square. It's just a fully red square. And under that, the author is Dane Welty. That's W-E-L-T-Y. That's the author name on there. All right. So um, as you can see from the title, we're actually going to be discussing... It's not a good, it's, particularly, we're going to talk about Sekiro, but we're going to talk about a lot of just games in general because we saw this... I found a video on YouTube, which kind of frustrated me, because me and Dane, we, we're both playing Sekiro right now. Yes, we are. And I just actually got past, like, the first big boss, and I struggled out for, like, a week almost, because, yeah. uh, fuck, this game is hard. But, uh, the topic of interest here is more, more or less game difficulty, and we're going to start with Sekiro, and we're going to kind of just, like, uh, as the podcast is called, we're going to kind of ramble off that. So, to start is, the video that I saw that I'd show Dane was, does Sekiro need an easy mode? Both of our opinions are a very strong no. It does not. It shouldn't have an easy mode, because again, that's not the point of a FromSoft game. They're not supposed to be easy, there isn't supposed to be an easy mode. And I'm actually really excited that when... If FromSoft, I just kind of thought of this. I'm hoping FromSoft keeps the um, keeps the new game plus yeah. in Sekiro. Well, they actually, I found out that they did. Sweet. So you get to carry your stuff over. I don't know if the game actually jumps up in difficulty or it's just supposed to be like a power trip after that. But even if it is a power trip, it'd be fun to you know go back and just like fucking stomp over everyone that gave you a hard time your first time through. Because I feel like. Another thing that from uh, from software games kind of are with a uh, new game plus with you know upping the difficulty every time. Yeah. To make it balanced for how your character would be at the end of the initial game, is I feel like you should have a power trip. Like if if you want to struggle again, you should be able to you know start up and start up a new character, or start up a new save file, you know stuff like that. Because you can still do that in Sekiro. You can always hit new game instead of continuing your save file, which pretty much unlimited save slots too yeah it's like well it's 99 save slots but still that's yeah it's a lot of playing by the time you hit 99 unless you're like no not even really if you're individually saving because you don't really individually save in a FromSoft game there's no save points i mean the save points yeah. are the rests but you don't pick where it goes it just goes on your file right yeah so stuff like that is it's just kind of a I do believe you should, as much as these people are complaining that it should have an easy mode, I feel like you should suffer your first time through to learn the game, and then just have a fucking blast on your power trip your second time through, and if you want that challenge again, you have the extra, you have those save slots. I, as well, I mean, the, the big thing with, um, I think Sekiro, the issue that it's coming off of, it's a new, it's a new IP, because I mean... 
Bloodborne was a new IP, and that one was easier than the Souls series. Yeah, but it was still a very good game. It was a very fun game, but you never saw that Blank should have an easy mode. You never saw Dark Souls 3 should have an easy mode. I never saw those articles popping up anywhere. So I don't know why Sekiro is getting different treatment. It's still a FromSoft game. It's still going to be hard. You know what to expect. I think it's because it's so different. It, it's so alike, but also so different from the FromSoft formula of Bloodborne was about being aggressive, but still dodging, getting out of the way of attacks so you don't take the damage. But you have the option to get it back by, you know, hitting the boss back to regain some of your health. In Dark Souls, it's... You you have your Estus, and you still have the option to dodge and get as far away from as possible to give you that precious time needed to heal. Unlike in Sekiro, which... I'm sorry, I don't mean to, like, shit on you. I feel like I'm a little more knowledgeable about, under, like, working into boss fights. Uh, more especially boss fights, not just game in general. I, in game in general, I believe Dane does have the controls down still more than I do. At least the basic controls when it comes to more complex stuff. When you get to, your first boss that you're going to run into is going to test you. It's it's there to te- it's gonna test your metal to see if you really are fit to do this. And like I said, it took me almost a week to beat this guy because it was such a difficult fight. It really tested me. But back to my point is, unlike in Dark Souls and Bloodborne, you don't really have you know your invulnerability flame flames frames to you know dodge through an attack. It's you make the right call. Or you suffer the damage. There is, it's not a system of, oh, I can see they're winding up and I know when they're gonna lunge, I can just dodge through it and get some damage in. No, it's you either counter or that's it. They're almost guaranteed to hit you. Which is another issue that I believe Sekiro does have that is not. Because I made the same with the Dane before is Dark Souls and Blubber games are difficult but fair. Sekiro, I still believe, is difficult and also very unfair. Yes. It is a very difficult game. I'm not going to you know, stop playing it because I find it unfair. I will overcome it. It's going to take a while. I'm like, you know, the other game, like, I think Dark Souls 3 took me like two and a half weeks to beat my first time through. And I'm already on my first week into Sekiro, and I know there's still a whole game ahead of me yeah. that I still have to do. You only hit plot point, big plot point one, I think. Yeah, and I did uh, the stuff like right after the first major boss, and then suffered. And also, for the people who do know about Sekiro, and the people that have seen the stuff for it, I'm not talking about the guy on the horse as the first boss. I found him actually to be fairly easy when you get his patterns down, because Dane was watching me fight him when I killed him, and the first, well, the first, like, I guess, technical boss. And, you know, maybe my third time in, I was, you know, perfect deflecting him it like a five. fucking champ. What it was I? five. Well, yeah. whatever, it's still. It was, it was le- much less than it took to do, like, besides, if we're not, I'm not counting Eudex Gundir in the boss of yeah. Dark Souls 3. He took me, like, seven times to eat because I was like, oh, yeah. I can just kind of, like, power through, and I was still trying to learn the control, and I was like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> Hold 
Because your intro to the series, your full intro, the full game, beating game intro, I think, was Bloodborne, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the whole shebang for me was Bloodborne. Which, I did go on to actually Platinum twice. Not on different profiles, but I did everything in the game twice. And I did the exact same thing for the DLC. I just, I really love Bloodborne. And then for uh, Dark Souls 3, I consider myself platinum for it. Because the only things that I'm missing besides, you know, completing the DLC, because I haven't done that. I have the DLC. I've just been busy with other games that, you know, I enjoy more than FromSoft games. Also, the DLC is stupid hard. Yeah, I know. It's stupid hard. Ashes of Ariandel or whatever. Yeah, I... From the Ring City? Uh, I Fuck. I haven't touched the Ring City at all. But I did do Ashes of Arendelle. I got all the way up to uh, Sister Freed, the end of it. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'll get to this one. Uh, I'll get to this soon. And then it just never did. And then I ended up uninstalling it for my Dark Souls series for my system and make room for other games that were coming out. Because that's another thing that I also try. I try to keep up on new games coming out now. I try to keep up. Doesn't happen because obviously, like, some stuff doesn't take all my fancy like it tickles yours. Or money. <laughs> or money. <laughs> Games but, are expensive. And they are. Which, which is surprising a lot because I've bought like six games in the last like three weeks. Yeah, we're, we're all like in the in where we live now. We're all in a position where we have not a lot of disposable income, but enough to every so often pick up a game. And that's weird for especially me because I went many years having to crunch money and then by the time I could buy the new game it's six months out there's another game that's same style but better and I'm like well now I gotta buy that one <laughs> yeah for, I, love, I love my life doing that or uh, when uh, I didn't have a job and I was trying to get I was getting interviews left and right but no one was calling me back and there was a big game coming out from a, fran from a franchise that I knew for a fact I loved or a game that I had extreme interest in and just begging my wife to just, please, let me buy this game. I need this in my life. <laughs> Which is really shitty of me now, looking back at it. But that's just how that's just how it was before we know we all got our shit together, really. Now I'm seeing a very stable job that I love. And I have the money to throw around to, you know, take care of all life necessities and bills and still have my life for games like i mean hell i was able to watch uh, to give you a point kira bought sekiro had me come out to see it with him so we both saw the opening stuff and then it was just the very beginning part where you just swim and walk when i saw that and i played it i just played that part i went into my into my room and bought it immediately. <laughs> the controls are very, very slick. It's nice. Like, um, and then actually, I think you had, I think you, you didn't have a meltdown, but you did get mad at me when I yeah. played the first, what, because you tried the, you did the first mini boss. Yeah, I tried the first mini boss. I got my shit wrecked because I was in the Dark Souls mentality and I was eating shit for it. The game lets you know that if you've played a FromSoft game before, that's the, Sekiro is probably the worst game for you to play. Because knowing it's a FromSoft game, you're like, okay, well, I can do stuff like this. And it's just, no, you can't. 
you can't anymore. That that's it. It's you have to learn a whole new set, which is actually gonna fucking irk me because if they come around with another game that plays more like Dark Souls or Bloodborne, and I completely wipe my memory of that and have the Sekiro mindset, I'm fucked. Yeah. It's like, oh, this guy's going to attack me. I'm gonna counter him. Shit, there's no counters. Because <laughs> there is a there is a parry system in Dark Souls Three, but it is minute. And there are easier ways with using iframes and stuff. So the only times I've ever had to actually... The only time I've ever used the parry system in Dark Souls 3 is with... Um, was actually with Eunix Gundir. It was the only time I used the parry system because he does his... Before he transforms, uh-huh. he does his axe swing down. And you can do a parry and take stamina, stamina instead of health. Then you can get a shot in and then back away. Or you could do it the easier way and just back away also on top of that you can also do what Sekiro has which Sekiro has the perfect deflect which Dark Souls 3 kind of has because if you parry back at the right time you can literally go in for a critical hit it just opens them up which I didn't really use that much in Dark Souls 3 until I got to uh, Pontiff Sullivan and that was when I was because my first couple runs through Dark Souls 3, I, ha- I summoned friends for help, or the uh, NPCs, and I was like, alright, I'm not going to suffer with this anymore, because I've been here for four hours. I'm done. And uh, so when I started actually doing my solo run, when I got to uh, Pontiff Sullivan in, in, in uh, no, Irithyll, right before you get to Anor Orlando, I got the parry system down, and I just parried his ass. I just kept criticaling him until I was until he was dead, and I was like, "I right, cool, I'm gonna keep going." I think that's the biggest change going from a Souls game to going to Sekiro is you don't look at health bar first. Yeah, yeah. You look at the posture meter first because by what we're, what it's basically being called is vitality damage. You're not using that as much as you're using the posture because you could break their posture and do a one hit to take down a whole health bar. Which is so different from the hit, back away, hit, back away, hit, back away from... I mean, not, not exactly that method, yeah. but the hit, move, hit, move format in Dark Souls, where it became very simplistic, especially if it's you know the third or fourth or fifth time trying at the boss. At that point, you got some shit down. But in Sekiro, what they have is something that we both love and hate at the same time, which is adaptive AI. So that no two go-throughs are going to be exactly the same. Except for the boss I was stuck at. He always opened with a roll arrow shot. Yeah. And if, and you know, your, your second or third time, and if you, well, more like the third or fourth time, if you realize he always opens with that, like what I did was, obviously, as soon as I started the fight, I locked onto him, and then I knew he was going to do it. So I dashed out from where I was so he would miss and I would get a free couple shots of vitality damage. Which is another thing that uh, I know since you're not too far into Sekiro you don't realize yet is um, vitality damage is just as important as posture damage. I didn't say it wasn't. Yeah I know but um, yeah. um, the reason that vitality damage is important is because the lower the health they have the slower they get their posture back and if you're doing a boss fight and you have them at like maybe half health or under and it changes pending boss is 
just since uh, you could literally stop them from regaining your posture altogether and just build up for that death blow. But it's very difficult because it, it's a great system that they put into it where it forces you to learn. Like, yeah, I could I could sit here and I could deflect, well, perfect deflect all day if I under, if you understand it. But that ruins your posture as well as theirs. No, um, perfect deflects do not damage your posture; it damages theirs. Blocking does completely. It's you don't take and, until they break your posture. You won't take vitality damage as long as you're blocking. Unfortunately for me, my black button doesn't like to work part of the time. I know it's mostly my fault because I'll be mid animation, which is another thing is. In Dark Souls, you could be in a swing and realize that you're about to get hit, and you could throw up your shield or you could dodge out right away. Mm-hmm. You have that permanent cancel. You have that permanent cancel that's available to you. Unlike in Sekiro, where if you're in the middle of an animation and you realize they're getting ready to hit you, that sucks. Yeah, it's there's a there's a point where you can cancel attacks, but it's very finite. And if you get past that point, you can't cancel it, and you just gotta hope that you can. They can come down and you can back after your animation at just the right time. Yeah, like, um, so for Sekiro is, when you start your animation, you still have the cancel. You have the cancel up until your animation is you actually swinging for your attack. You cannot cancel after that, which is, makes the game very, very frustrating because another issue I had with the boss I was stuck at was he wouldn't be doing anything and, uh, I would be like, alright, well, I'm going to go to a swing. I'm going to... Because I figured out the method of... You swing at him once, and he's going to block. But as soon as he blocks, he's going to respond with his own attack, which gives you time to understand that he's doing this. You have this time frame for your perfect counter, which really started helping the more I did it and the more I understood what was going on. Which was... Honestly, it was really nice. Because it's... Because in the Kingdom Hearts uh, lingo is, which is where it really, I don't know if it's really where it spawned from, but it's where I've heard it the most, is uh, building a revenge counter, which means that you can dictate when they're going to attack. In FromSoft games, the revenge counter is always one. That one hit you do, they're always going to attack back. Yes. And the more... So, say you're playing Dark Souls and you hit a boss four times, they're guaranteed to do four different attacks, which means you can account for it. You don't know what those attacks are going to be, so you don't know how to act accordingly, but you still have the time to respond. And, uh, I guess it's more... And then, like, just speaking out on video game difficulty in general, like, um, I've started my hardcore playthroughs in uh, Resident Evil 2, the remake after playing on normal mode so I could figure out what the game was like. So I'm not going to just let the game hold my hand while I do it. Pussy. <laughs> Hard mode first. No. <laughs> and what... This also ties into the video that we watched is if the, if the options are available for me where I have easy, hard, normal, hard, I'm always going to start on normal just so I can play through the game, I can enjoy what I'm getting into, and... I can then dictate by my experience, do I want to do hard mode? Or am I satisfied with what I... It's fine. Keep okay. going. I'm satisfied with what I got. Most of the time, 
if it's a game that I fucking love, like Resident Evil games. I for Resident Evil Two, I did all my stuff on normal, and then I went to hardcore. Unlike uh, say Devil May Cry Five, which came out roughly around, well not roughly around the same time, but I got roughly around the same time. Devil Hunter only. Yeah, always started on Devil Hunter because that is normal. You have Human, which is easy. Devil Hunter, which is normal. And then you unlock card difficulties in subsequent playthroughs, unless there's a case of DMC five where if you manage to beat the uh, prologue boss and just end the game there, you get hard mode. Which I did beat hard mode, and uh, I did beat some Spartan mode in Devil May Cry five. It took a little bit, and I also kind of took my time on it because I was bouncing back and forth between the uh, games I was playing. But that's just how it really is it's also a jet like what i like about some of spider mode in general is just different enemy placements yeah like no uh, like you won't if you're playing on some spider mode your first time through it's great because it feels like a different game even though it's not like you like uh i walked in on a like dante must die in some spider mode have the same enemy placements, just enemies are harder, and they did some changes to it. You know, just like walking in and going, Ah, I wonder who's going to beat my ass today. Hey, woo. There you go. And that's what, that's, um, I mean, we just, we both had this unanimous decision, unanimous opinion of Sekiro shouldn't have an easy mode, because, as we already said earlier, it is, it is a Souls game, but as well, there. All the points that were made in the video we watched, it was a video by IGN if you really want to go see it. It was called, Should Sekiro Have an Easy Mode? And I think at the time of this, it came out two weeks ago at this point. By Seven hours, actually. By the time this episode goes up, it came out two weeks ago. To kind of go back to just, not exactly Sekiro, but game difficulties in general. A game like... Um, Devil May Cry 5, up to that point, Devil May Cry games weren't easy, but they weren't overly difficult. No. I mean, they were they were simplistic games. It was a very much mash-wide-a-win style gameplay. Not exactly, but that's kind of the best way to describe input, it. Input commands with your analog stick and first Y. Yeah. And occasionally, when you're, depending on who you're playing as, they were playing DMC4, you have, you know, apathy of your snatch. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. But then I got into with DMC five. There was more to do. You had input combos, real input combos. That's fucking blowing away as well. Unlocking shit in uh, the game for just characters and realizing you have you know you have your back forward, you have your tilt forward in being certain situations. And I was like, yeah, you know, you can do all this. And I'm like, am I playing a farting game? Walk, yeah. help. <laughs> Sorry, we're eating cake right now. Yes, it is. It is four in the morning, <laughs> and we are eating cake. And I have a phone interview at eleven, and I don't give two shits. Just <laughs> make sure you're awake for that. Oh, I will be. I can act pretty well on the phone. But, 
a game that I had that I love. I love the game. I love Resident Evil Seven. Mm-hmm. I think the game was really, really good. My biggest issue with it was a mode select. I didn't enjoy mode select in that one because I wanted it to just be this difficult experience. Because again, it's this. It was a completely different. It was a complete one eighty from all the other Resident Evil games. I mean, it's first person. It's it back to survival horror, which the ones before that. We love the game of Resident Evil Six. As a res game, no. I was gonna say how do we grip follow right? Mm. As a res game, no. It is not a good Resident Evil. No, game. As a game, it was fun. Oh yeah, I had a bunch of fun doing it. I mean, we played it at my grandma's house, mm-hmm. just on the TV. It was a lot of fun. Honestly, it's a good fun. If you just want a, a good co-op game to just kind of hang out for a night and play, you don't want to play Halo for the 35th time, <laughs> that's a fun game to play. It's not overly difficult. It's got a cool story, and you can play multiple time, mul- multiple character timelines. But with Resident Evil 7, they very much focused on, like, this is this is survival horror. This is not... You're you're in hell. Yeah, but um, you're in the by the bayou hell. Yeah, um, my thing is that you know, um, did you play any other difficulties in Resident Evil Seven? I played normal and hard. Your boy don't do easy. I didn't finish hard. Did did you not catch the differences between normal and Madhouse then? I didn't play Madhouse. Madhouse is hard. That was normal, easy, hard. There is no hard. It is normal, easy, Madhouse. Really? Yeah. What game am I thinking of? I, I don't know. I, I don't either. I platinumed Resident Evil 7. And, uh... He, here's the thing. Cause I, I played normal in Resident Evil 7. I loved it. It was a great balance of survival horror, which gave you the elements you needed to survive, and it was up to you to figure it out. Except... Hold on, I'm gonna stop you there. The whole attic sequence? Fuck all of that. Cause there's mannequins and shit, and I ain't dealing with it. Just fuck all that. Don't mind him, he's a little fuzzy. That goddamn shit was stupid scary for just basically me. <laughs> Cause I hate mannequins. To a point that is almost an issue. But back to what I was getting at is. still can't go into JCPenney's. <laughs> That was getting at is um normal mode for Resident Evil Seven is great is a it's a great balance of giving you everything you need to survive, but letting you take the time to figure out how you want to do it. It was the best example of what normal is. Yeah, it was. It, it was developed as the developers intended for the game to be played, and then you have Madhouse, which Madhouse was complete flip because especially coming off of a normal mode where you realize that everything is different well you don't unlock my house so you beat normal right 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 okay now i am thinking of i am thinking of resident evil 7 i don't want an i didn't want an easy mode in resident evil 7 that should be the point i was trying to make i think it should just be normal madhouse i don't think it should be an easy because no i you pleb 
No, I believe, uh, I believe easy was a good thing for just, uh, obviously, it, it takes away from the argument that, we're making about, that I was making about Sekiro that Nola shouldn't have an easy mode. But for Resident Evil, Resident Evil has, for the longest time, had an easy mode now. It, yeah, it's I mean, had an easy mode for the last almost 16 years. And it's to get people to come in, play, and just enjoy the game. Because if they do that, that you know, pointing out that, hey, this has an easy mode, then that's more money for them, for people who, you know, oh, I want to check this out. And I'm not very good at video games. You can do this. Which, Resident Evil 7 did right. I didn't play... I have never touched easy mode on Resident Evil. I've never touched easy mode on a Resident Evil game at all. But, um... It's... I mean, if you touch an easy mode, you're wrong. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> play games how you want, guys. Don't. Play them how we say you should play them. Swear to fuck me, yeah, I'm gonna quit this podcast. <laughs> this is my sec- this is my second episode or my first, depending on which way these episodes go up. But Jesus yeah. Christ. No, um, I think it's just I think it's just mainly on on my end. I've not I don't like as I've gotten older, I don't like playing games on an easy mode because to me, if I play a game on an easy mode, that means I'm telling myself. I can't do it. Therefore, I'm wrong, and I'm going to compete with myself to do better than myself. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it makes sense to me. Anyone out there, don't be like him. Don't he, be like me. He, he would rather sit and scream at his TV for hours on end because he's like, oh, I'm going to do this, and then yes. he's going to stop playing it. And then he's going to start doing something else and completely forget about it. And I am. And then I'm going to go back to it and scream more. <laughs> but I will never be back down from my own competitive spirit against myself. I'm a confusing man. He's very confusing. He's very, <laughs> diff- he's very difficult to live with. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I pay my rent. <laughs> Doesn't make you not difficult. Yeah, but at least I pay my rent. True. You know, except for the month that you mentioned you had to do a fuck ton of catching up. Yeah, but I did. You did. It was rough on you, but you did. But I did it. Told you I would, and I did. <laughs> I ain't leaving. Fuck that's, you. That's why I fucking trust you. Do a game. Do, do a game needs an easy mode though. What's that? A game called Life. No. Yeah, I want to crank this shit down. I I don't. I feel like I'm playing on like kind of hard mode right now. I was playing on hard and I managed to crank it down. So I need to fucking, like, play a lottery win and just turn that bitch down to easy mode. And just cruise. And then turn it to extremely hard mode whenever lottery money runs out. Yeah, <laughs> when the money runs out. <laughs> nah, I got my wife. She's really good at budgeting. Just put it in stocks and bonds and have a good old time. No. Stock out your money, guys. Make sure you diversify your portfolio and make sure you have a good... Very good stock option with your current employer, because if your current employer can put in for stocks for you, that's going to be much better. Business stuff. Anyways. Yeah, I wish I could have that. Get a 401k. If you don't know who to go through, go through Merrill Lynch. They're a very good 401k service that will mine us through. They're very good. They always hold on to it. You can Also, if you work at a Walmart, if you're full-time at a Walmart, talk to your 
store manager about a 401k, they go through Merrill Lynch. I don't remember who my 401k is through. Because again, I currently do not have a 401k because I lost my first job ever due to a fucking tornado hitting my house. Oh shit, that's right. Uh-huh. Uh, we need cash bad. I'm reliving with my wife's mom. So, I early cashed my 401k. So I was like, you know what? We need this money. It was like $500. But I was like, you know, it, it kept us going for a little bit. It held on until I got another job. And my wife was able to get a job in the area. And we just kind of hung out after that. Yeah. Like, yeah, whatever. Which, is, which really says a lot because this happened around the time Black Ops 2 came out. Yeah. And I immediately bought Black Ops 2. <laughs> I was like, I need a gift for me and my wife to play. Let's play this Call of Duty game. Because I love the Black Ops series. I haven't played Black Ops 4 and I refuse to play Black Ops 4 because as stupid as it was, I played Black Ops 4 for the story, well, Black Ops for the story mode. Because the story for Black Ops was so fucking weird and interesting. I wish they could have done more with Ghosts, story-wise. Because Ghosts had potential to be a very cool story. And it's too bad Sledgehammer's not that reliable. What? It's too bad Sledgehammer's not that reliable. Sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. They did Ghosts. Here's their entry into uh, Call of Duty. Because, um... So you know how Call of Duty used to be, what was, uh, Infinity Ward and, uh, Treyarch? Yeah. They brought in, uh, Sledgehammer as a third developer, so now they're on a three-year cycle. Okay. And, uh, Ghosts, uh, the introduction for Ghosts was for, uh, Sledgehammer. And Sledgehammer's not that reliable of a company. I'm pretty sure it's Sledgehammer. Oh, it was Infinity Ward. Shit. Yeah, Sledgehammer never made a, lot, a Call of Duty game. Yes, they did. Well, they didn't make ghosts. Yeah, they didn't make ghosts. You can't just fucking look at ghosts and go, Oh, Sledgehammer never made a Call of Duty game. They never did. Bullshit. Never, never made They're one. They're on a fucking three-year cycle. I think, okay, so I think Sledgehammer came on after that, then. Oh, God. I don't remember. Sledgehammer. Advanced Warfare. That's they the started off with Advanced Warfare. Okay. Which so was you, a bad idea. Yeah, it was. Okay. Halo, the Call of Duty game. Okay, so it was, um, so it was Ghosts. I think it was Black Ops 3, and then um, it was Sledgehammer did, doing uh, Advanced Warfare, and then I believe we got, um, fuck, I, I don't care about the Call of Duty timeline for the games coming out, so I don't either. it doesn't matter. The last game I enjoyed, the last game I really enjoyed, besides, I enjoyed the story of Ghost, I just think the story of Ghost was too short, the last game story I actually enjoyed of a Call of Duty game was... I think Modern Warfare 2. I really, like I said, I, Black Ops came after Modern Warfare 2. Yeah. But I really liked, uh, Black Ops. I did like Modern Warfare Storyline, which is why I was really happy when Modern Warfare 1 was free on PlayStation. So I just, like, nabbed that shit up right away. But, um, the only thing I enjoyed from Ghosts was the new, uh, online, uh, mode with, a that was, a uh, Cranked. I thought Crank was a fucking blast to play. Yeah. It's so much fun. I think I think it just suffered I think Ghost just suffered from what's called the bottleneck script writer's block kind of thing. Basically what it says what that means is the people who wrote the game didn't have enough time to write the game. So what happened is they tried to funnel 
all the important stuff in as quickly as they could, and it forces the story to be bad. I, on the other hand, do not believe that at all. My belief is, I'm just gonna line up for if I was Infinity Ward, with Infinity Ward goes, fuck the story, this game is a multiplayer game, put all your efforts into that. And then, yeah, but they came out and said they didn't want that to happen. They said that they had a bottleneck thing. There was a whole interview about it. Yeah, well, most of that stand by the fact that they were probably lying because people were complaining about the fact that... Because there are a lot of people that do enjoy Call of Duty stories. There yeah. are a lot of people that do. But deep down, the developers know this is an online shooter game. I.e. Black Ops 4. Yeah, which Treyarch took full advantage of. They went, this is what's popular. Let's put in a fucking Call of Duty game, which is how we got Blackout. Which is, you know, the Battle Royale Call of Duty mode. And I wish I liked Battle Royale modes. I really wish I did. I've, I've never played Blackout, but from literally everyone else that I've ever paid attention to that hates Battle Royale games, which would be, i.e., like, internet personalities. Yeah. Like, for instance, uh, Max. Maximilian, dude. Yeah. He fucking loves Blackout. Like, he hates Battle Royales. He said it's, it's done so well that it makes up for the fact that it's a Battle Royale game. Okay. Battle I mean, Royale. I mean, Chan bought it, so, like, I have it on the Xbox and I haven't played it. That's just, like, that's just okay. kind of how it is. And it's like, eh. Yeah. I think the other thing, the other issue that a lot of Call of Duty games suffer from <clears throat> is they do have, on behest, they have Activision. Yeah. And Activision is a very... We'll call him a very involved publisher. No. And now, hold on. No, I'm, no I'm, I'm, okay, that's what you're saying. By involved, I don't mean they're involved in helping make the game. I mean they're involved in making the game bad. Because, <laughs> i.e., what? Destiny 1 and 2 are very good examples? Exactly what I was going to bring up is um, Bungie, about a month ago, month and a half ago, Split with Activision. Yes. And with, um... Not this expansion that just came out, um... About, uh... The director. But the expansion is going to come out after that. That's going to be the true test. Because a lot of these companies do blame Activision, and Bungie is one of them. Mm-hmm. Is, um... So, if Bungie cannot fix a lot of what's wrong with Destiny 2 and this new expansion, it's going to show that it wasn't just Activision. Because we it, know for a fact Bungie can make good-ass games. Yeah, it's, but it's a, just a test to be... What test to say? Are they actually good at games still? Did they, did they lose their touch when they had to go into someone's wing and they just kind of went, we don't have to make a good game because people are just going to hand us money anyway because we're fucking bungee. Which is not how it's going to work. No. Because people, if people realize that Destiny 2 becomes a shit show when year 3 happens for it, which is honestly really fucking weird to think that we've had Destiny for 6 years. Yeah. But, um... The fact that it's if they can't at least amend a lot of the issues that they're blaming Activision for, 
they're not gonna do so hot. Like obviously, obviously the year three expansion they're gonna charge money for is gonna make money because people are gonna be curious. Yes. But if they don't fix it and their fan base drops and people start complaining about it, then that's gonna just get rid of the the idea at least for Destiny itself that Activision was a problem. It was actually just Bungie. Which I don't want to happen. No. I, 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 w- I want to stick to that fever dream that Bungie is still as good as they were in the fucking 2000s and early 2000s. I but, think Bungie's worst idea was getting rid of the Halo franchise. Because all the way up through Reach, I loved all those Halo games. Mm-hmm. 1, 2, 3, Reach... Um, ODST. Uh, ODST. Those were all wonderful. Even though ODST was short. ODST is a lot shorter than I ever remember it being. Because when I go back and actually play it now, it's short. I do it in like less than half. You only have to play, like take it's like what, five hours. Oh my god. And like everything still sucks me in. I still feel like I'm there. It still feels real. It feels cool. And then I play Halo 4, which is also about four or five hours long. Eh. <laughs> I think um, the issue with uh, the Halo franchise was Bungie kind of, uh, at the end of especially Halo 3, they kind of wrote themselves into a corner and they really didn't know where to where they would want to go. And I think 343 kind of like, because um, Pressure 343 was working under Bungie for a little they bit. They were, yeah. And Pressure uh. They kind of went, we know what to do, uh, or we have an idea, and Bungie was like, yeah, yeah, cool, Um, we're trying to think of stuff, and they were like, oh, okay, well then we're going to split off, and they split off, and then they went to Microsoft, and Microsoft bought Halo from Bungie because Bungie didn't know what to do, and they were like, we don't know what to do, and this uh, franchise is still worth a lot of money. Microsoft buy Halo? Microsoft bought Halo. I thought 343 bought Halo. I think uh, I think 343 has Halo, using the money from Microsoft. Microsoft basically said, "All right, we give you the money to buy it, as long as you work under us and it's under our direction." Yeah. Okay. Okay. Microsoft did buy Halo. Microsoft bought Halo rights, but um, developmental rights are still to 343. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because Microsoft doesn't develop games; they just distribute. Hmm? They have developed. There's a reason you don't know about. That's fine. Guess what? They're bad. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> I could imagine. But Microsoft did develop Minesweeper. Best game ever. <laughs> Hands down. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I love me some solitaire. But <laughs> I still can't fucking believe I got my new phone. And I just scroll down and look at the... I, I uh, swipe down and look at the app. And fucking Solitaire was like one of the things I saw. I yeah. was like, wait, what? And then he yelled, Solitaire's still open. <laughs> Freaking out about it. Yeah, I, I opened it and I just want to close it. And then I went in and I was like, huh? <laughs> Solitaire, just never, Solitaire never leaves. And then, you know, Halo 4. I'd give it a meh rating. Like, it, I'd give it 6... T- out of ten, it wasn't fantastic, but it wasn't bad. Horrible. 
and then Halo 5 happened. And then I cried. For days. Because here's the thing with Halo, which I don't know if you know about this. There's... I think, totaling everything, there's like 300 hours of written stories and movies that talk about Halo. Before everything happened, before Halo 1, and after... There's like all storylines that are out of there, written by very amazing authors. If you've never read Halo books, read them. They're oh, very so good. So you can't forget about the during parts too. Yeah, I mean those it, are and, they were good. And then those the, are what those are what like almost three hundred page novels. Three hundred, five hundred, some of them were six hundred page novels, and they're just wonderful. And some of these books capture Master Chief better than the games ever could have. But um. What I think the issue is they're not, especially 343 didn't do this, they're not consulting these works. They're just trying to run off of it. I really think they should consult those works. Consult them. Learn the st Do what they can with that. Hell, you could pull the authors in and be like, listen, what do you think we should do? They wrote stories about it. If you have an established storyline, you can write a game a lot easier than going from fucking scratch. Yeah, they also got to run off the fact that they had to figure out what to. You have to figure. They have to figure out what to do to bridge the gap between plot point and plot point. Yeah. And that's I believe it's still a struggle for three four three because three four three is the the Halo stories they're not bad. It's just how it's executed because you could have you know a plot point. You obviously have a plot point at the start of the game, your first objective, and you've a whole fuck ton of things you have to do just to get there uh, to understand what's really going on and yeah. there's no di there's no real dialogue in between it's just orders like i would love to see halo go with you know keep the shooter con obviously keep the combat the way it is the combat is great yes it's very well done but oh especially in a halo Obviously, you just kind of like sh cried for Halo Five. The gunplay in Halo Five was the best Halo's ever had. It was solid, it was really solid. It, it was the best I've ever had in a Halo game. But have dialogue or story context when you hit like certain checkpoints and stuff like that. Which is why I am so excited yet scared for Halo Six, because oh shit. Which we should get an official reveal this year. Yeah. Sure. It's been three years, so that would match up. Yeah, about. So I up. really hope that three four three does something else than they did with four and five. Four again. Four was that decline, but then as as a bridging to go on your point of bridging gaps, the gap between four and five. There's a bridge there. I don't think they built it right. <laughs> Because it fell real quick. And there's just all sorts of stuff that's happening in that in, in that game, in Halo 5, that it does flashbacks or callbacks to in it, but it's not enough, because the Halo 5 is still short. It's not a long game. Yeah. Especially with the, the final boss fight, and um, Halo 5 was very just disappointing. Yeah. There was like, what, three wardens? Something like that. Yeah, so you have two smaller ones, and you have, like, the big one that's supposed to be, like, controller. 
part of the hive mind. The BBW, the Big Bad Warner. Yeah, it, it, it was fucking, it was dumb. Because it was, so, cause especially because they kept, um, they brought back uh, Reach's, um, classes. Mm. And you could just abuse it to just not have to deal with it. Also, I think, I don't know if we're just in a disagreement, I don't think we are. I think we are, Reach is the best Halo game. Oh, yeah, 100%. I fucking love that game. And it doesn't even have Master Chief in it. It doesn't. It makes me cry. Every time I play it. No matter what. Every single time I will cry. Every fucking time. No matter what. Whether it's the thing that happens with George or Cat. Or a meal, I guess. <laughs> those three. All three of those points at one point will make me cry. What? Because that game's emotional. What was... God, what was his name? He had like the splatter mark on his mask. They died. He got stabbed by the Elite on the turret. Yeah, the um skull. Yeah, that's Emil. Is that Emil? Yeah, I was like, Emil is the one that got me. Where I was like, "Fuck." Cat's the one that got me. It was unexpected. Yeah. It was. It was one of the things that you didn't see coming because it's it's yeah it's a Halo game, but you've never really seen anyone die besides you know your enemies. The thing with Reach is it's it's before Chief. It's the story before. Dr. Halsey had Chief happen. Kind of. No, exactly. No, because the very end of Reach is when Master Chief lands on Reach. And it's his first mission as a Spartan. So roughly, yeah, most of the game takes place before Master Chief, but when you get near the end, he's getting ready to deploy for his first mission. And it shows him showing up and just kind of going like, alright, what the fuck's going on? And then you don't understand what's going on because you have to read the fucking book. Yeah, because then Halo, the first game, Combat Evolved, is how many years after Reach? It's like, what, like 40 years or something like that? Something like that. A couple years. Because at the point of Halo, Reach is destroyed. Reach is gone. At the start of the Halo series, excluding Reach. Reach is gone. Which brings the question, because I haven't read any of the books, I want to know what the fuck Chief did on Reach that resulted in it being completely destroyed. I will find, if, I will look for the books and I will send you links to them, because they are very good books. They are, they are incredibly good books, because... Well, I know they're very good books. Yeah. I've read passages from them, I haven't sat down and read a whole fucking little book, though. But that's why I want to find the one where it talks about what he does on Reach. Because that's very cool. There's also a good a good book that talks about the flood in detail, mm-hmm. explaining how the flood became the flood. Because there's not really a good explanation game wise. By not a good explanation, I mean there isn't. <laughs> oh, the flood here. The fuck's a flood? Zombies. Oh. What? Okay. <laughs> Shotgun. Shotgun. <laughs> Which doesn't even say anything if I got a starting player. We just jumped into combat evolve. And he gets to the first kind of play. Like, oh, the flood's here. And I'm like, the what? <laughs> and then you see his little fucking grotesque balls jumping around. Was flood in CE? Mm-hmm. I think it, I think it yeah. was. It was further in. He gets to the library or something. Yeah, yeah, they were. So I remember um, I was playing with a... So I story about this guy yesterday, uh, Jay. Mm-hmm. Me and him were uh, playing Halo. And we're going on the legendary difficulty. Also, 
if you're new, like you're supposed to, if you're new to the Halo series, don't play the game on Legendary. No. Take it on uh, Heroic. Yeah, take it on Normal or Heroic. Don't, don't, don't jump on Legendary like that, dude. Holy fuck. Do not. It is hard. Oh, yeah. When they, the thing with Bungie is easy was easy. Normal was normal. Heroic was hard. Yeah. It was, it, it had a difficulty spike. And then Legendary kind of just took everything you knew and shoved it in your face and then ate your face. Plus side though for CE is always had your trusty Magnum. <laughs> always had your somehow basically a forty five caliber that shot like a sniper. <laughs> yeah. I love that. that that's one thing that really excited me for uh, Halo Five is when they brought that back. I was like, Oh, it's on and then you figure out they actually nerfed it so you can't just destroy elites from a distance. And you're like, this is not fair. No, this isn't, this isn't fun anymore. This isn't the fun part of the Magnum. This is now just a pistol. <laughs> now I have to go fucking pistol whip everyone. Now I have to go, you know, not have fun. <laughs> Using my pistol as my sniper. It's okay, at least in Halo Hunt, the BRs are really good. I love the battle rifle. Best gun. Best gun ever. Best gun, Halo, best gun. Best gun, Halo, best gun. Ever best gun. Best. The best. We're very tired. I don't know. He just started doing this, and he's not stopping. No. And it's 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 scaring me. Please send help. My address is one two three. Please, Lane. My favorite, I'm going to derail a little bit, my favorite, not my favorite vine, but a fun vine I've seen. Yeah, vines, fuck you. Vine is from Joe Sanagato where he's just in his car, he's filming, he's like, pussy, 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 starts screaming pussy. Which was a nickname for a girlfriend of mine. I wish I was kidding. Anyways. No. We watched Venom yesterday. I was kidding. We watched Venom yesterday. <laughs> just looking out at the broken one and just jump. And it just cuts to him hitting the elevator button. Pussy. Pussy. I love... If you, did, if you like Venom, if you enjoy Venom, I think you'll like the movie. If you're not a big Venom fan, you may not like the movie. Now, I don't agree with a lot of the reviews I read where it was flatly written. It very much wasn't. But I mentioned this to Kira when we were watching it. I think the issue nowadays is that so many people see so many masterpiece movies. I mean, there's so many good, fucking good, well-written movies out there that they're, you know, the thing they're holding a standard to is now these godly written movies by people who have been writing things their entire lives their whole careers are based around writing whereas for movies from places like sony where writing isn't their big gig that's not their first portion of what they do you've got to bring that down because i've been seeing like six out of ten five out of ten one of the places i read had gave it like a 4.5 out of ten i don't think i, I don't think venom was a perfect movie no no but I think it deserved better than a 4.5 or even a 5. Yeah. I think it was an 8. 
I'd give it an eight. I'd give it maybe. I'd give it a seven, seven point five. If I was feeling generous, just due to the fact that the slow start was it's like a almost a half an hour slow start to un- introduce the characters, and it's just like I hit a point where I was like, I'm here to see Venom. Give that to me, and then I had to wait like another fifteen, twenty minutes to get there, and I was like. And I mean, I think they also made the the very bad choice of picking the longest stretch of not Venom Venom person in the comics, Eddie Brock. But also, Eddie Brock's the only Venom that I think would have worked for a movie because Eddie Brock had relationships and there were problems there and things happened. Whereas in like other Venoms, it was okay. Here's a guy. His name is John Doe. Now he's Venom. That's it. And there's, like, not a lot behind it. So Eddie Brock's the best to write a story about, but also to do just one movie. You have to have a lot at the beginning to explain Eddie to get to understanding Eddie, because you have to know who Eddie is so that Venom can work with Eddie when that happens. Also, minor spoiler for the after credits scene with Venom, I am so fucking happy to have Woody Harrelson. Yes. That made me, like, I was looking up, uh, I was looking up stuff about Venom, and I saw there's an after scene they show off that, uh, the guy that's gonna be Carnage, which, if you read the comics, you'll know who that is. And they got Woody Harrelson to play him, and I was like, because <laughs> that means that when Venom 2 comes out, I might actually go see it in theaters just because I'm such a Woody Harrelson fan. I think he's absolutely fucking hilarious. He's wonderful. He's, he's a great actor, he's so funny. And they, and I think, I think Venom used their one f bomb very well <laughs> in that movie. Fuck it, let's go save the world. <laughs> and then they use my favorite line from Venom, which is when they say, "We are Venom." We are Venom. Oh, it all. Every time I get to read it, or now I get to hear it, it gives me goosebumps because it, it's just it, a wonderful just time. Just gives me an erection. I have way too big of a hard on for Venom. <laughs> Yeah, you do. I do. I've liked Venom for a long time. I don't think I could ever say that I've ever had that kind of film for a comic book hero or anti-hero or villain. The closest I probably got is probably the weirdest one. I don't think you've ever guessed. It's still a Spider-Man villain. Oh. The Vulture. Yeah. Ah, damn. Definitely the Green Goblin. Green (laughs) Goblin. Dr. Octagonopus? From the laser collection? <laughs> that's some obscure YouTube for you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Oh my god, that's fucking history now. That's YouTube history. Oh. He still makes videos, too. Yeah, I know. And it's, they're still funny. God, they're so fucking old. I know. I remember watching those when they were new, and I'm like, oh, fire in your laser, man. <laughs> no, my favorite uh, Spider-Man villain is uh, Mysterio. Mysterio's good, though. Mysterio's fucking dope. Mysterio is going to be uh, the villain in the new Spider-Man movie. That's going to be awesome. Which excites me. Yeah. Be- which another thing is, um, that's what me and uh, my wife were looking for uh, earlier. We're like, we're going to rent Spider-Man Homecoming to watch it because we like Tom Holland. We think he's a great actor. He is. We liked him as Spider-Man in uh, Avengers Infinity War. But we never watched Homecoming because we do not give two shits about Spider-Man. We're going to give Tom Holland a shot. Like I, I liked I liked Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man One and Two. He did three. 
one and two. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. What the fuck is Spider-Man 3? I don't know. You're saying just silence. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Was it? Wasn't Spider-Man... Okay, so... Wasn't Spider-Man 3 supposed to be, like, Venom taking over the Spidey suit? No. That was Black Suit Spider-Man, which is an obscure comic thing, which doesn't... There's a reason why you don't see it in the comics anymore. It doesn't work. As far as I know, that's what it was. But... Um, uh, let me go up my porn, which I'm not even kidding. It was hentai. Spider-Man 3. If it was if it was supposed to be Venom, that's a poor Venom, right there. That was Venom. That's a poor Venom right there. Yeah, the antagonist for Spider-Man Three was Sandman and Venom. So yeah, the black suit. Yeah, because there's even the shot of Venom. Ah. He's taking over Spidey suit. Yeah, yeah. I watched it once. So yeah, that was Venom. Gross. I told I told I was pretty sure it was supposed to be Venom because they're trying to work. Venom into uh, the Tobey Maguire uh, Spider Verse, and just I knew it wasn't gonna work. I've never watched Spider Man Three. I don't ever plan to. Don't don't. I think uh, Andy Griff. No. Andy Griffith. Is that his name? I don't know. Amazing Spider Man One and Two. I think he did. He did a good performance. I don't necessarily think those are good Spider Man movies. They're better than Tobey Maguire. I'll promise you that one. Spider-Man 1 with Tobey Maguire was... It was, it, it was eh. Yeah, but... Spider-Man 2 <clears throat> was fucking fantastic, though. I don't care what you say. Spider-Man 2 was a lot of fun. Yeah. But I think The Amazing Spider-Man got a little more into the into the personality of who Spider-Man is. He's this cocky kid who, you know, is... You know, he kind of has quips and whatever. But then when they brought in Tom Holland for Homecoming, that's when it got real. Also, just so you know, Homecoming doesn't have the scene where he gets bit by a spider. You know that already. Mm-hmm. Fuck all that. Even though I haven't seen the movie, so actually, no, I didn't know that. But it's like that was their big selling point, was we're not going to show that again. That would be a third time. We don't need to. You know how Spider-Man became Spider-Man. So it just kind of throws you into the story. It just, from minute one till the end of the movie, I loved it. I loved every minute of Homecoming. It was... To me, the best Spider-Man movie they've made. Because one, Tom Holland, who is an actual gymnast and actually does choreography and still did ballet and dance when he was a kid and has that nimble ability to to move the way Spider-Man moves. Um, who was the antagonist for Homecoming left? I'm going to have to watch it. No, I'm going to was the green, was, is the Green Goblin? No. Okay. Michael Keaton. Okay. I would say, um... I'm not kidding. Okay. He's played by Michael Keaton. But, um... Hashtag Willem Dafoe. Best Green Goblin. I mean... Sure. <laughs> I'm so I... I... I <laughs> if there is a... It's really only been one Green Goblin in, yeah, film, I, in cinema, so... I have to <laughs> If if there was one actor, I could if there if there were two actors, I'm gonna change that that I would have a huge boner for. Willem Dafoe, 
I love him. He is amazing in almost everything he does. He doesn't give a bad performance. Even in the Death Note thing, yeah. he didn't give a bad performance. No, no. He was just backed by his bad shit. I'm saying boys and girls, yeah. And um, Norman Reedus. Yes. The only time I fall flat for Norman Reedus is The Walking Dead anymore. Because I liked him and uh, I spent a lot of time binge-watching The Walking Dead when it hit Netflix. Yeah. So I was like, alright, I'm going to see what like, Crazy is about. In the first, like, five seasons. No. First three seasons were really good. I really, I genuinely sat there and I enjoyed what I was seeing. And then I started falling flat and I have a normal risk too because obviously J.J. Abrams had no idea what he was doing no. with Norman Reedus. He's like, I just made this character and put him in here because I want something... Because Daryl's not in the comics. <laughs> yeah, Daryl does not exist for anyone who uh, doesn't know that or watches The Walking Dead yet. Daryl does not exist in The Walking Dead comics. Because Walking Dead seasons 1, 2, and 3, solid. From beginning to end, very solid. The first half of 4, I enjoyed. Okay. And then after that, I kind of kept falling off. And then I got all the way to season seven. And then when the season eight was going to come out, and my roommate at the time when I lived in Bowling Green was like, you want to watch season eight? I was like, I'm good. Because it's, again, it suffers from the same issue that a lot of things suffer from when they have one subject and they try to stretch it out. I.e., Supernatural is one of them. Walking Dead is one of them. Supernatural's ending well. Yeah. Finally. Charmed is one of them. I don't think Charm suffered that much. Charm wasn't Charm wasn't that long of a show, actually. No, but Charm suffered from the same issue that all the of these things have. One centralized subject that is immovable. Because it is too vague. Walking Dead. Zombies. You can go anywhere, but once you establish rules, you can't change the rules. Mm-hmm. Supernatural. Supernatural things. Again, you have a lot of directions you can go, but once you make the rules, you can't change the rules. I think another issue that super, I think an issue that Supernatural had was the fact that they hit the point where they've introduced just about everything that they could that would be reasonable for them to fight. They fought fucking God and Satan. It's they fought you know Japanese mythology. They fought Greek mythology. They fought you know. All of the legendary demons that you can ever hear about. It's fucking nuts. They didn't put Barabbas in. That pissed me off. <laughs> but whatever. It's fine. Hold on. Actually, they might have at a later point. I don't know. Barabbas is one of my favorite theological demons because he's just dope. Oh, okay. Spell his name. B-A-R-A-B-A-S. I think I thought it is. Theologically. No, he's not. As soon as I typed it in, I got Dragon Airways, funny young adult contemporary fantasy. Hmm. And then I scroll down one more and I get Christopher Mar- uh, Marlowe, the Jew of Militia of Malta. Yeah. The Ch- <laughs> Barbus. Barbus. Because Barbus and Barabbas are two yeah. different things, and the only thing that's really different between them are letterings. Because Barabbas is B A R A, Barbus is B A R H. B-A-S. Don't worry. I got this picture of... This one. 
Ah. Perfect definition. That's actually a big gripe I had with um, Devil May Cry 5. Um, not Devil May Cry 5. DMC's Devil, DMC Devil May Cry. Because what they did was they had the news reporter in that. I'm was, Bob Barbas. That's not how you spell Barbas. Because it was B-A-R-A. Not B-A-R-H. Because if you don't know, Barabbas is a theological Christian demon. Barbas is a Sumerian demon. And they are very different. <laughs> they are very different beings. Barabbas fucks shit up. Barbas kind of hangs out. And just is like, you're scared of some shit? Stop it. <laughs> right, well, I'm not scared anymore. I'm sorry to interrupt Dan going on this rant. But... We're actually going to end this episode of Ramble On on a note of Dan complaining because About I'm theology. I'm fucking tired. It is, quarter, it is quarter to five in the morning now. And I'm tired too. I'm very tired. I'm ready for bed. As is Dane. Thank you all for listening. Please feel free to uh, follow us. Uh, download our podcast if you're interested. Um, share us with your friends. Anyone who just listens to this thing about random stuff. Especially by two drunk people, because that's kind of what we do. Pretty much, yeah. But, um, yeah, if you, like I just said, if you like what you hear, just, you know, feel free to follow us. Check out any other podcast we have uh, in our playlist. And just, you know, spread the word. Just It, it helps us out. Uh, you might... Brighten up someone's day just hearing two people bitch about pointless things. Yes. We have nothing, no control over. But, um, thank you all for listening. And, uh, ramble, ramble, ramble. We are going on. Never stop questioning. As well, real quick, before we go, I just want to let you know that you can, in fact, let us know of topics you want to hear us talk about. Because a lot of times, sometimes topics come off as Maybe not coming out exactly as we want them to. I.e., maybe we come up with a topic on the spot, and then we do an episode where it's almost 5 a.m., and that's when we decided to record. <laughs> but if you have topics, tweet them at me. That's at gangreen. That is the at symbol, capital G-A-N-G, capital G-R-I-E-N, at gangreen on Twitter. And you'll see it pops up as uh, Dan Welty. Or you can also drop a follow on me. It would be uh, at capital K-I-R-A-F-A-I-R-B-R-O-O-K-S. Uh, at Kira Fairbrooks on Twitter. It's the same on Instagram. I'm not on there that often to uh, really warrant doing that. And just, you know, drop in, say hi. If you have a topic, feel free to... Uh, just let us know, and we'll figure it out. If yeah. it's something we don't know much about, we'll just we'll both study up on it, and then we'll argue points to just kind of debate, you know, how we feel about it. And definitely, give you something to do. And check us out on Stitcher and Google Play, and soon wherever you download podcasts. Swiggity swash, catch you in the bash.